There are many differences between Apollo and Dionysus. The most important one is that Dionysus gives you sweet smoke bombs and Apollo isn't even in the game. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we're talking all about Hades, a game you may have noticed we've all become obsessed with. We're totally gonna make it out this time, so grab your Daedalus hammer, don't forget to pet Cerberus, and let's blow this popsicle stand. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier, and we are back. Here we hey. are. Hey, we're making a podcast. We're potting it's it so up. Exciting. Potting and casting. We're both yep. potting and casting. All of them. Little thing called podcasting. Uh, welcome to Triple Click. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, just a reminder that you can support us making this show, which is the only way that we make any money off of this show, is from, <laughs> is from listener support. Yeah, no pressure. We are owned, this show is owned by us. We can't, we can't be, bought. be bought. We love owning our own show. You. We love that you all support us. So thank you to everybody who's become a Max Fund member to do so. And if you would like to support us making Triple Click and become a Maximum Fund member and support Maximum Fun and all of the cool podcasts that they create, go to maximumfund.org slash join to find out more. And doing so will also get access to our monthly Beans Casts, which are a spoiler cast that we record about a variety of things, mostly games, sometimes not games. And we're actually going to record right after this episode. And it's going to be about Horizon Zero Dawn, which Maddie just yeah, finished. I beat that game. That'll be out toward the end of the month. And there are a bunch that you can listen to that are already in the Max Fun feed, along with bonus episodes from other Max Fun shows. So anyways, become a member. Support uh, creator-controlled media. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. All right. We're going to talk about a video game. We're going to do yes. a triple play. This is going to be a triple play episode. It's going to be a game that we've actually talked about. Uh, it's in, in dribs and drabs over the weeks, uh, but now we have all played it. We all really like it. And that game is Super Giants Hades. This game's cool. <laughs> Let's just, for starters, is it a good game? I would say yes. I would say yeah, it's a cool video game. Yeah, I would say it's the best game. game of this year. I would declare right now that it is my game of the year so far as of October. Jason wow. coming out with the with the with the superlative language. So many it's, games coming out in November. Jason Trier doesn't give a shit. His goatee is Hades. It's already been declared. It's hard to yeah. It's hard to understate <laughs> how much I've played. How much this game has like enraptured me. I don't know how much it has taken over my life. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's that kind of game. It's very it really kind of takes over your life. So just a little bit of background, really quick. This is a game by Supergiant, the makers of Transistor, Pyre, Bastion. Uh, what a, it came out what in 2018. Resume. God, what yeah. a Every game they make is killer. Came out in uh, early access in 2018. Has been out for you know kind of existing at the periphery for a while, but then was released in its 1.0 version along with, and I think this is a very important, a Switch version just recently, maybe a month ago. And of course, has taken the gaming world by storm. A lot of people are playing it and talking about it. And now we have all played it. Worth noting, you say exists in the periphery, but the people who did play it in early access like wound up loving it. I remember last year they did. Yeah, when I say the periphery, I mean the periphery of like the conversation. Like it is now central to the gaming discourse. Yeah, it's hard. Well, early access games are hard to like really. It's hard Mm -hmm. to get a lot of people into them because nobody wants to play an unfinished game. Well, and that's the idea, right? That's like how they made it good. So last year, I remember Gita Gita at Kotaku, Gita Jackson was fighting for Hades to be considered for game of the year. Um, I remember, if I remember correctly, I argued that it should be it should wait until it comes out for Mm -hmm. real, which actually I think is the right call because you're like there's going to be a pandemic and there's not going to be enough games. People are going to be getting obsessed with it in 2020. Next year, (laughs) that's the thing about these games is that like they build 
a buzz in early access and that can only be a good thing because more people pay attention mm-hmm. to them. And then they come out for real and that's really when they have a shot to like hook the widest possible audience. Early access is fascinating. I don't actually really want to talk about early access with regards to this game because none of us really played it in early no, access. No, 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 no. We're going to, let's talk about the actual game. game. But yeah, let's talk about the game itself because we've all been playing it since the 1.0 release. So another important piece of background is that Jason, you and I have gotten to the credits, which involves yeah. clearing the game uh, 10 times, yes. we'll just say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maddie has gotten up to uh, Theseus and Asterius. Asterius? Yeah. yeah, which is not even clearing the game a single time it's yet. It's the first major roadblock, though. <laughs> and once you've gotten far. there, you've played a lot of the game. So that's just sort of where we're all coming from. I think... That the first boss, Megara, I would consider her to be the first major roadblock Uh for most people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we can talk about that. So this game is a roguelike, but it's very much a game designed for people who aren't the biggest fans of roguelikes. And what kind of characterizes a roguelike is that you can, every time you play it, you kind of have like one shot to get through. You have permadeath. And if you Mm -hmm. die on your run, you start from the beginning and you have to do a new run and you have to pick up from the very start. There aren't... um, Typically, this is a big genre, so there are a lot of different experiments within it, but typically there are no checkpoints. There's no like skipping ahead to the last level that you just got off. It's not like a traditional game. It's very much a game that's built to challenge you to keep playing. Oftentimes, they are procedurally generated, as Hades is, so the level layouts are random, and the rewards are random, and enemies are random. All sorts of things are just thrown at you randomly. But the thing that makes this game special, well, there are a few things, but one of them is that it's very, very good and never making you feel like death is a setback um and as an example when you play something like oh i don't know into the breach or enter the gungeon or really any of these other kind of like permadeath style games you always feel like oh man i died now i have to go start from the beginning and maybe i'll get to if i'm lucky i'll get to carry over a couple of things but most of the time i'm going to be starting from scratch in this game because of the way it's structured and because it introduces you to new narrative every time you start every time you die and it gives you new rewards every time you die and there's a lot of different things you can maintain from run to run um it doesn't really feel that way it feels like death is an opportunity to go talk to people and get new stuff and i think that is one of the things that really makes it stand out for me yeah yeah uh, Maddie, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I'm cur- I, I kind of want to hear what you think of this game since Jason and mm-hmm. I have both talked about it so much and you've been playing it more recently, but I have a million thoughts on that, so I'm going to try to remember them all. <laughs> They'll come back to you. You you just, you know, played Hades yeah. six billion times and you're trying to remember everything that you did in the game. And I'm, I'm earlier on, so I can yeah. remember more of it, maybe. Kirk, your thoughts will reset every time we go through a run. And so this will this show. Right, no, th- right. that would be a real editing challenge for Kirk. Let's not let's not do that to him. But I, I think what's special about this game and I don't really play that many roguelikes or roguelites so this is kind of my baby's first roguelike situation for me and the reason why I like it and why I haven't really played other games like this is because I like a game with a good story and I like feeling as though I'm actually progressing in a meaningful way and I usually don't like procedurally generated stuff in games just full stop because I just don't think that's artistically interesting to me. But this game is kind of proving me wrong in every way because not only is it doing all the things I just described, not necessarily liking, it is created a story reason for all of that to happen, which is that you are Zagreus, you're the son of Hades who rules the underworld. This is a Greek mythology world. And so you dying and getting reset back in the underworld again 
makes canonical sense. All of your deaths really happen. It's not like a Prince of Persia thing where you have to quickly rewrite the story and be like, that's not what really happened. I actually did everything perfectly. You are actually dying as many times as you seem to be. All the other characters acknowledge it. You have to fight all the bosses multiple times in order to defeat them, and they all get to know you and refer to your past failures and make fun of you a little bit according to their characters. And that's how you get to know them. And also, you can unlock more story even if you're not that far in the game. Like, you can continue to unlock different story elements even if you're stuck on Meg for a really long time, which I was. And you still can continue to see more and more of the story, find out who your your mom is. It's Persephone, of course. You Everybody who took Greek myths growing up knows Persephone's deal with Hades mm-hmm. and so on. And you like get to know all these Greek gods and everything. And you still get to know them even if you're dying a billion times. So it's like you're getting rewarded by the game even if you're stuck. And also, mechanically, you can never really get that stuck because you always are collecting more rewards like Jason said, like not just figurative rewards, but literal rewards, like these purple gems that let you level up and you, you can just grind it out. Like you can you can never really get stuck without just having the endless opportunity to grind. Yeah, with this game, I'm struck by how it takes a lot of things that roguelikes have been doing for a long time. Rogue Legacy, and I really like Dead Cells, mm-hmm. that game, Binding of Isaac. Like, there's a narrative reason for the reset in all of those games and for the fact that you're going out and doing I mean, even, like, Souls games right. kind of reset the level and they provide this, like, they reason for reason. it. Yeah. And, and, like, it's built into the narrative that you're sort of dying over and mm-hmm. over again. And yet... There's so much narrative in Hades, and it's so cleverly written and 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 dealt with that it makes it just really enjoyable. I think I saw this this was on Twitter. Greg Kasavin, the writer, um, he was talking about how he saw it as his job to basically make jokes out of all of the game design yes. constraints that they were working with, and that and you see that over and over and over again. Where especially with Z- um, Zagreus's like responses to things where he'll just be like there comes a point where he starts wondering which of the furies he's mm-hmm. going to be up against in the first boss fight and he's like all right it's going to be meg this time and then it won't be and he's like oh i was wrong and he's like trying to guess because he's just done it mm-hmm. so many times which actually some of this ties back to our time loop movies discussion yeah. um on that beans cast like talking about all these kinds of stories where the protagonist is aware that they're trapped mm-hmm. in a loop the thing that i wanted to get into that I think is interesting with this game that it reminds me of is it actually reminds me a bit of the rhythms of playing a surface game like a Destiny or a Warframe. Because, and actually, and Souls games are a good parallel too. There's this thing with games like this where you repeat stuff over and over again and there's a narrative reason for it and it explains it that makes the game, first off, it makes the game really efficient. Like you're getting so much use out of each item in the game and each enemy in the game. It isn't that thing where you're like what Chris Stalin called like the fall of the Roman Empire shit where you're playing a modern warfare game and you like run through this amazingly rendered room and you're in it for three seconds. (laughs) When you say efficient, you're talking about from a game developer's perspective. Exactly. Um, But it's also, uh, I think, a really rewarding thing from a player's perspective because there's something about seeing the same thing over and over again in the context of a video game that really works. And this game... It's kind of driven that home for me in a way that Bloodborne did as well and Souls games do as well is the familiarity you can get with a space and with, you know, your moveset and the enemies. Like, I feel so familiar with this game. I played like 40 hours of it. And I just at this point, it's so comforting because I know all the rhythms of it, even though it's also 
different every time. And that too kind of reminds me of playing Destiny or playing one of these games because there's the draw of RNG that's just enough to not feel gross. But each time you start a new game, you're like, what's that first Daedalus hammer mm-hmm. going to give me? You know, And then you open it up and it's some you get usually some weird build. I think I saw Cecilia D'Anastasio on Twitter. She was like, Every time you beat Hades, that was the perfect build. I'll never get a better build. And then you play again and you're like, this is the perfect build. Like, I'll never get a better build. And that kind of RNG appeal also really just keeps me wanting to play because you're always like, well, I wonder what this run is going to be like, like within the parameters that I'm so familiar with. Yeah, that's the trick. It's the same as the Destiny trick where it feels really good and you're constantly getting shiny new things that trigger endorphins (laughs) in your brain. There's this crucial difference, though, and that's that in Destiny, the RNG drops that you get are like permanent items that you keep and you really chase them and you really want them and they're like way Uh longer term. Well, they're also much more rare. But you're also always throwing it away. And that's this kind of big difference is that like no matter how great your build, it's just temporary. Well, so what Hades is really good at is like giving you the permanence of other stuff. So like you know that if you clear a run with a weapon and Maddie, we're gonna, I'm going to get into a little bit of endgame stuff, but I won't spoil anything. But it's fine. Um, basically part of the <laughs> endgame loop once you clear the game once or twice is like you can start um, you can add these challenges to each run and then you can start getting more bounties so you can get more of the end game items the diamonds and the, the demons blood and stuff like that that really mm-hmm, helps you upgrade mm-hmm. all your stuff um, so you know that that build is going to provide you if you're playing efficiently and you're getting new bounties and stuff and playing in a, in a way to get new bounties you know that build is going to provide you the opportunity to get that stuff so I think the game is really clever about the way that it balances that kind of stuff you know you're going to lose and stuff you know you're going to keep and all the stuff that all the temporary stuff is random right And the long-term stuff is not random, and you plan for it, and that seems very on purpose, and it makes the game feel, like, emotionally healthy to play, so that's kind of the thought I'm getting at. That's part of it, the rarer and, like, long-term stuff that isn't random, because it's established rewards at the end of each stage of the game, but also, along the way, you're getting kind of, like, these micro-doses of permanent stuff, like some darkness here, or an ambrosia bottle here, just in random rewards. So it's very clever about doling that stuff out. But also, part of the fun of the build, and part of the reason it doesn't really matter that it's temporary is the discovery and figuring out all these combinations are like unlocking. So the way it works, to zoom out for a second for in case folks haven't played it, as you play through the game, you're getting these things called boons, which are um, powers you get from the gods on Olympus. So you have your Zeus, your Poseidon, your Athena, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all giving you these, these boons that are themed around their specific powers. So like Zeus will give you lightning abilities. Um, Poseidon will give you wave abilities or you can knock back enemies. And one of the cool things that happens is as you collect them, um, each game tends to give you like like three, four, or five of them um, rather than all of them at once. And then once you start collecting them, so let's say I get an ability from Zeus that lets me attack and strike lightning with my weapon, with my sword or whatever, and then an ability with by Poseidon that lets me um, knock back enemies with my special attack. Then, the next time you get Zeus or Poseidon, you might see a combo ability that lets you combine the two and every time you knock back an enemy, you'll also shoot lightning at them. And you get some really super powerful stuff. And part of the fun is just like that feeling of being constantly surprised and experimenting and finding all these new combinations and being like, like you said, oh man, what's the hammer going to give me this time? And I don't really think it matters that you're going to lose that because you know that every time you go, you're going to get like X number of boons. You're always going to see a hammer on the first uh, phase and the first stage and the third stage. You're always going to see a ton of boons. And I think it's given out so frequently. I think it matters that you lose that stuff only insofar as like 
it, you can never stick with a certain build. Like mm-hmm. it matters in that it, it, you always have to experiment. Like you always have to learn a new way to play. But I mean, I mean, from a from a perspective of like uh, player ownership and like player rewards and like feeling like, oh no, I'm I'm losing this. Man, this sucks. Like you never feel like this sucks because I've never felt that way ever playing this game. Right? I did sometimes because the game <laughs> keeps giving you. Like you never you never worry that your boons that you're not going to get boons the next time. So as well, an example. Like in Enter the Gungeon, as a good example, um, some weapons are way better than others as you're playing through the dungeon. And if you get a really, really good weapon, you're kind of like, oh man, I really hope I don't die because I do not want to lose this weapon. That would really suck because it could help me clear the run in a way that other weapons can't. In this game, you never feel that way because there's you're constantly given boons and there are a million ways you could get these boons and combine them. And you always have the chance to build a really powerful character no matter what. I think that changes when you're beating the game and consistently clearing it for me than when I was dying a lot because the feeling of like I had such a good build and then I just lost it and died is heartbreaking. I feel like I'm still in the thick of it compared to you two where I'm still having some runs where I'm like that was a really good run and I wish I just hadn't screwed up those few things and you know just done something a little differently or sometimes I would say I'm new enough at it that even just remixing certain boons is new to me and figuring out what I even like. Cause some of it is like, I don't know which gods I prefer and which weapons I prefer. I, I just am learning that as I go, but I will say that the game does make that experience significantly less frustrating than most other games do. Like failure doesn't feel as bad as it does <laughs> to me in some other games. So you're in an interesting place, Maddie. And I think everybody who plays this game kind of goes through the same rhythms from what I've experienced and read online and stuff. And it's basically yeah. you get to Meg, you have kind of like a hard stop at her and that you get stuck a few times. You have to clear it a few times. You have to get your shit together at Meg. <laughs> if you've if you've been button mashing up to that, you yeah. need then, to figure yeah, out how you to need play to the focus. game. <laughs> yep, here we go. Second stage is generally pretty yeah. easy for people. The Hydra boss at the end of the second level is not that difficult, but some, sometimes you'll get stuck I on him agree. a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, it depends on your playstyle. For me, I didn't think the Hydra boss was that hard. The third boss, Theseus and Asterius, fucking suck. They they will <laughs> they will be a really, really tough obstacle for a lot of people for a very long time. But eventually you'll get past mm-hmm. it, and like all you have to do is keep playing, and eventually you will get past it. Then you'll get to the final boss. The final boss has another like really, really tough stopping point for a long time. And then eventually you get to yeah. this point that I think Kirk and I are both at, where like maybe not every single time but like most of the time maybe 50 50 or something like that or 60 40 you're clearing the whole game and it's just a matter of like like you're good enough first of all from a player skill perspective you're good enough but also you've acquired enough upgrades over time and enough special abilities and darkness abilities and all the other jazz you can get that you've become like really powerful as a character and everybody goes through that it's one of the things that i think is so genius of this game yeah and i think also as you play you learn which combinations really work for you mm-hmm. because all the weapons yes. I would That's say the weapons the are very well balanced in the sense that sometimes so I usually prefer to pick the weapon that has the darkness power up every time because why not just get the extra darkness if you can That's that's the way oh, to go you should yeah I'm early enough in the game that I may as well do that yeah mm. Yeah, I didn't do that. But there are certainly weapons that are not as fun for me to play. However, I've also had the experience of getting all the way to the boss I'm stuck on, even on a weapon that I'm not good at, just because I've gotten really lucky with certain boons or just happened to mm-hmm. figure it out for whatever reason. So I feel like it's definitely worth trying each weapon, even though some people have told me, like, just just go ahead and specialize in a weapon. And I try that for a while, and I'm like, 
honestly, all the weapons are interesting. Even the ones that I don't feel I'm that good at, they're still interesting and they still result in fun, emergent things happening and like make it easier to fight one type of enemy than another because you have this variety of like long range and melee weapons and Mm -hmm. different properties within them. And go with different boons in different ways. Yeah. And then also different boons enhance those weapons in completely different ways that you would never be able to see if you didn't consistently try all of them. So I at least recommend that for people in the early game. But I also think it's just it's just a matter of time. And I, I feel like I've only recently hit the point where I have a pretty consistent sense of which boons are valuable and which aren't. Like when you get to the stopping point where you can actually sell back some of your boons and be like, oh, I'm making a decision here. Like maybe I can use this gold for something more interesting than that. The first few times I hit that, I was like, I'm just going to keep all my boons. I don't even really know which ones are benefiting me. Like I may as well just keep them all. And like now at this point, I can much more cleanly identify like, no, this one is actually not helping me. Like I'm not using cast often enough that this is really providing a significant benefit or whatever it may, the upgrade may be, but that's just time. And I mean, Luckily, the game makes it entertaining. Like, if not for the narrative, I don't think I would have continued to play it as long as I have. <laughs> also, this show, of course. But I just don't, I don't think it, I would have stuck with it as long. I, I think it's fun. Yeah, but... I mean, the narrative happens to be great also. like Yeah, it's <laughs> the, so fun. I really love good. all the characters. And that's what's making it worth it for me. I, I mean, you know, the game's pretty cool. But I just want to know what's going to happen to all the great gods, you yeah, know? Yeah, there are all these things that I'm mechanically getting into now Mm -hmm. like this game has a huge end game like the aspects of the weapons are a good example to what you're talking about maddie of like you can imbue once you have them all unlocked you can start spending blood to imbue different weapons with different aspects that are transformative there's one for the fists where you like pull people over to you with your special that's really fun i just started using um a Poseidon aspect, which I believe is on the sword, which I never really yeah. used, where you you hit someone with your cast, and then you hit them with your special, and it knocks your cast out of them. And you can then, like, now that I know the game really well, I was like, oh, because there's an Artemis boon that, like, does damage when your cast leaves an mm-hmm. enemy. So you hit them with the Artemis cast, then hit them with your special, then they take more damage when nice. it goes out. And it's this, like, bananas combo that I actually have in yeah. my current run. And, like, those kinds of things are when you're, like, that's a type of player skill right you get like dexterously good at the game but you also just learn what kind of builds you want to make i actually almost never sell boons i want to talk about god mode because that's really interesting actually i'll just say that i think the god mode in this game is really really clever and if anyone listening to this has been stuck you should totally try it i just played some on it to see what it was like it was the exact same experience what does it do it just made the game a little bit easier like it makes you more immune to damage according to a percentage that increases every run that you lose Right. So that's the crucial thing is that it's a built-in game mechanic. It doesn't like affect your stats or like look bad or anything. It doesn't ever make you feel bad for using it. And you can just turn it on and off in the menu, which is Mm -hmm. nice. And it just, it gives you a 20% damage uh, buff. And then each time you die with it active, it goes up by 2%. So it just, if you're stuck and you're like, I want to see the story, like I want to clear the game 10 times and like see all this cool stuff they made, but it's just too hard. Just turn that on and it'll just gradually get a little easier and you'll get better. And it still forces you to play. It's still Mm -hmm. tough. Like Hades is a tough friggin' fight. Like even with that, um, all of the 20% damage buffs, it's not that much. And then if you're really getting hammered, it gets better. So I think that's brilliant. But I want to talk briefly about buffs only because I want to know, and I know Jason, you've played a lot. And Maddie, you said you're starting to figure out your favorite buffs. Slowly. The two that I never take are I 
don't like Aphrodite buffs. Yeah. They're just not good. And I don't like Poseidon because they're so crowd controlly, and that's the thing I have the oh, least man. trouble with. Like they like I don't like the ones that knock people back because hmm. I want to be in there like messing them up. And when they're knocking people back, I like some of those. It depends on the enemy. I like any buff to a dash. If I can't manage to get a good one early on, I'll like take an Aphrodite or a Poseidon just to have a dash buff of mm-hmm. some kind because you're already dashing so much in sure. this game that you may as well take some type of damage area dash that you that's just my opinion but i don't like any of the other stuff they offer though i'll say that (laughs) i only take the athena dash that's like i won't even take a dash until i can get well hers is the best one but if you can't get the athena dash then it's like well i'll take somebody's dash i'll like hold out for the dash until like i'm in the maze (laughs) so you're just (laughs) dashing meaningless first of all athena dash is good but the zeus dash can really like destroy (laughs) there are other good dashes that's um kirk okay so here you go so Aphrodite's, um, if you get her weakness ability, and then you get either Ares or Dionysus, both of them have these amazing Dionysus. Dionysus. Both of them have these amazing combos with weak, where basically you use her weakness on an enemy, and then if you have Ares, you can, and you get this combo boon, you can make it so every time you use Doom on a weak enemy, the Doom just keeps hitting them over and over again, and Doom oh, Doom is like a delayed nice. damage that just will hit them with a bunch of damage. Uh, like a sword hangs over their head and then lands on them. And that'll keep happening Doom is with great. this combo. This combo is incredible. Aphrodite Aphrodite also gives you really good like damage boosts with her weakness ability. You can get a special boost that's like right. plus like a hundred. I've plus gotten her percent. special sometimes. So she definitely take, keep an eye on her. She also has a really good call that shoots a heart at an enemy and charms them for a while. So her call I don't understand. Now when I'm fighting a boss, which is usually when I really need mm. calls, it doesn't do anything, or does it do anything to a boss? Well, then you max it out to you max it out to greater call, and then it'll do twenty five hundred damage, which has saved me a few times. Oh, yep. it does a lot of damage. Um, oh, as okay. for Poseidon, so there's so many crazy combos you can do in this game, and part of the fun, especially as you get later on, is just experimenting with all the weapons and all the boons and just finding of different course. combos. Yep, Artemis for me lately has been like, oh, Artemis is really good with Poseidon. So the the what you just mentioned the gloves boost the gloves aspect you just mentioned uh it gives you an ability called the magnetic cutter that lets you pull an enemy to you imagine this imagine getting that and then you can knock them and then away. poseidon's attack boon that lets you push away an enemy and just keep pulling him and pushing him and pulling him and pushing him it works really well it's really good um and then you can also combine that if you get poseidon's abilities you can combine that with like um the the hammer ability that like lengthens your glove or lengthens your spear attacks which works really well. The gloves are very fun. Works really well with Poseidon stuff. Um, The best ability in the game, and this is probably going to get nerfed, so you guys should check it out while you still can, is a Zeus ability (laughs) that makes lightning strike where your cast um, uh, diamond is. uh, And you don't have to be doing Mm. anything. Lightning will just keep striking enemies. Um, If you combine that with some other cast ability, or really just use it on its own, and you just fire a cast at an enemy, you can just move to the other side of the room, and they'll, like, die. Like, I've beaten Theseus and Asterius just by <laughs> shooting a couple of casts at them, letting that ability work its magic, mm, and then just going and fucking off in the okay, corner. And okay. Yeah, and they just die. <laughs> I've recently been getting into Zeus. Dionysus is really good. I and like I've been Dionysus discovering, a lot, yeah. Dionysus is great. I mean, because Hangover is a really great ability. Hangover is it's really so cool. helpful. That also 
combines well with weak and it can just like it keep does. generating. That is, that is what I thought you were going to say, Jason. Mm-hmm. I like the Aphrodite-Dionysus combo. What yep. is that combo? I think I maybe just had that on a run. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, it basically, it's the same as I mentioned before, except with weakness and hangover yeah. instead of weakness. Yeah, it's and hangover and doom. weak together. Yeah. Yeah, and it was very good. I don't know why. It just seems to really take people down. Yep. I don't know why it's it seems like good. more satisfying than other combinations do, but it just does. So I've been thinking about my, I've had a couple builds that were basically broken. There was a spear build where I had the like special, did the thing where it ricochets between seven different enemies. It was like a Daedalus hammer. Anything that unlocks where you can hit (laughs) multiple enemies, like either with your shield Captain America style or with the spear or whatever it may be is like very, very satisfying. I think it was that plus Doom and also the one where you let, it lets Doom stack if you like keep going. the thing that I've really learned that's just an advice that I would give to anyone listening is chase uh, multiple boons from the same god. Jason, you were t- you mentioned this kind of too. and like, but that's like a good tip that I've really internalized now is like kind of make your build around one god. Like it's not that great if you take like one Artemis buff and then one Ares buff and mm-hmm. one. But if you like really chase one down, you'll wind, like they really do. Yeah, layer on top a, like of one another, and you can completely yeah. win with any full yeah, build. Another yeah, or thing, keep um, leveling up the ones that you have to make them really that too, good. making yeah. them more powerful. So I have a few really good pro tips. Um, one go, is go give your tips. One is well, so one is to experiment with all the artifacts you can get. Um, at the beginning. Oh, you mean like the keepsakes? Yeah, the or... keepsakes. Um, yeah. I re- mm-hmm. I've become really fond of the butterfly, which keeps uh, boosing your attack power every time you clear. Yeah, I just started using damage. that. That's a good one for when you're a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Skelly's one, the one that gives you an extra death defiance, yeah, is really pivotal. Of oh, you gotta um, use that one. Like, yeah, right yeah. Out yeah. Of the gate. The that's like, starting out. And just the upgrades... go ahead and give something to the skeleton guy. Like, yeah, if you're that's a new, like the player, first thing a new player, should do. give the nectar to Skelly. I would give you the upgrade that gives you the the highest number of death defiances which is like essentially an extra life rather than the one that's like a new one every room because the new one every room is not have full oh, bosses. Oh really? Yeah. Are you talking about mm-hmm. the purple upgrades yeah. like yep. stubborn defiance versus yep. death defiance? Versus yeah. death defiance. I, this is actually controversial Jason there's there's a whole argument online about whether people prefer stubborn or death defiance but I happen to like stubborn I think it works better for my play style if, you, if you're getting stuck on one boss having four death defiances for that one boss will but be a lot more helpful. But that's Theoretically, yeah, but I don't know. It's it's kind of this. It just doesn't really work for me the rest of the time for whatever hmm. yeah, reason. I think it just depends on where you're at and how you're moving through the game. I mean, it's. I think that any of those things. It's just like in, everything in this game is so well balanced for the most part that you could. It is, but there are reasons. Okay, so here's another thing, Maddie. If you get, if you pick the kind of black exclamation point in sticks while you're in the, or sorry, in um, Elysium, the third stage that you're in, uh, you mm-hmm. can replenish all of your death devices. So if you've used it and then you you wind up like. Finding yeah, plus Athena gives you that boon that there's kind of a lot of opportunities in the final level. Um, but anyway, so the other thing I was going to say is, and this is actually kind of like a universal pro tip. So here's here's a very good pro tip. Um, priority for which doors to select. Hammer mm-hmm. is number one, always. Then yeah. is always. Trial of the Gods, always. Anytime you see a Trial of the Gods, you want it. Then is because that lets you get two boons at once. Trial of the Gods being when there are two boons. Trial yes. of the Gods being when two you see gods two boons on one door. at once. Yes. Yep. Yep. Then boons. Boons are always top priority. Then gold. Because gold lets you buy more boons. Gold is definitely something that I've learned to appreciate yep. the more that I've played. Now I'm play, like obsessed with you'll... getting money yep. because mm-hmm. having a ton of money, especially in the at the end of the game, yes, you really like want a lot of money. At the especially end. at yeah. the end. Yeah, it's super helpful. 
Um, but even even when you're trying to beat Theseus and Asterius, you want as many boons as possible. Those are always top priority. Health, I think, is way lower priority, and upgrades are way lower priority. And obviously, the stuff that's like darkness and and construction materials, yeah, whatever, yeah. you don't need to worry about that stuff. But like health and boons are not near, or health and upgrades are not nearly as important as you're playing um, and trying to get a good run as boons are, because boons will always just give you some special ability that helps you in some way I feel way like it just depends how you play. I've always been a tank player as a person type in everything I ever do. And so I am always like, I need as much health as possible. That's just how I think about games. I'm going to get really close in the mix and I'm going to fight hard like melee style. And I need to play in a style that works that way. And you can absolutely do that in Hades and do well. So... Like you can play it as like a dashy warlock game as well and be like, I only care about DPS and I, I'm going to level up my attack power for everything across the board and not care about my health being low because I'm not going to be in the mix that much. So I don't really care. I just feel like that's those are two different ways to play that are both pretty valid. So my counter argument is that if you're if you're if you're thinking about like in terms of game theory here and you're trying to max out your potential of beating every run, if you do a boon, your chances are higher of like getting some ability that well, will yeah. give you more value than twenty five health will. Of course um, you want or boons, it will make like- you but even if you're playing in a way like I play in that melee way all the time where I'm just like literally dashing and attacking back and forth across a boss, um, chances mm-hmm. are you'll get some boon that helps you do that and helps you avoid getting hit. And I think in general, if you're losing a lot of health, if you're taking a lot of damage, you're probably not having a good run anyway. Like in general, you want to be like maximizing your ability to avoid damage. Um, yeah. Because it is a game about dashing. It, it just it's doesn't. A very, it, uh, health just it, doesn't really help you that much, especially as you start getting like upgrades that let you collect extra health, max health with darkness, or like especially if you get gold, you can always buy health when you get to Charon. Um, True. And you want to make sure you're getting as much gold as possible, like gold from vases. Like you want that that special ability that lets you get gold from vases. Is there any worse feeling than when you go through a door and then and you, you see, see the gold? gold yeah, oh, man. awful. I feel like awful. that, or a fish. Sometimes I'll see a fish and I'm like, ah. Oh. And you definitely want the darkness upgrade that gives you a hundred gold at the start of a run. That's super pivotal. Um, oh, and the upgrade that gives you a hundred health at the. Start. Oh yeah, that too. I mean, is also you say health isn't important, but that's yes. important. Yeah, yeah, that's an important. <laughs> like that helps but a lot. it's a little important. You need some health just to get through the game. <laughs> All right, so obviously we've talked about this game a lot on this show. We could talk about it a lot more. We've talked plenty on this episode, but there's so much more to say. Um, really briefly, though, final thoughts. Uh, Jason, you go first, since I know you have a lot of thoughts. What are your yeah. final thoughts on this game? I think it's as, I think this is an incredible game. It's like moving in unexpected ways. The art direction is incredible. The writing is incredible. The music is incredible. The way it feels is incredible. I love everything about it. I just keep... I like keep... So when I got the credits the other day, I like I minimized it. I closed the app to open up another game on my Switch, and then I started trying to play something else. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to go back and play more Hades. This game is <laughs> kind of like taken over. Um, I just want to talk about it and think about it and play it all day. It's it's really <laughs> freaking good. And like, there's so much good endgame stuff too. Like, I haven't even finished unlocking all of those bottom aspects for all the weapons yet. There's still a couple that mm. I haven't discovered yet. Um, there's still conversations I haven't had. Apparently, there's a whole epilogue that you can get to after the credits. There's so there's plenty more for me to do and it's just so much fun to keep running and running and running and running Um, especially once you've got really gotten the hang of everything and like learned all of the quirks that this game has to offer Um, just really really good game I love it 
Nice. Final thoughts, though. I know that you're not finished with the game, or I'm assuming not final. But uh, final thoughts for this segment, Maddie. Intermediary thoughts from me. Intermediary. I am really enjoying the story of this game. I will probably get to credits solely to find out what happens because I love the characters so much and I love the art style so much. The music is incredible. These are all the things oh, we didn't so talk good. about in this segment because mm-hmm. we were talking about which boons we like, which is also fun. I've mentioned but, it before. I've shouted out Darren yeah. Corb. His music is incredible. Yeah. This, show, this game rips. The yeah. full world of the game is really awesome. It's frankly cool to play a game about Greek mythology, which is like a culture that had no issue with queer romance generally. And so <laughs> the game itself just has like Achilles and Patroclus is romance as part of the canon because that is part of the canon of them mm-hmm. and I just I don't know it's it's nice to play a game that approaches it as being the norm that's a really fun thing about it for me and I'm also just enjoying the character design and the fan art and all that other stuff I eventually I think I'll get to the point where I feel like I'm killing it at the combat I will take Jason's tips and I'll probably talk about it in one more thing going forward whenever I beat Definitely. this game nice. but until then I'm just enjoying the world of the game and that's something I really recommend recommend to anyone um maddie i don't want to spoil anything but you can actually have your own queer romance in this game also i do know that it is also a dating sim you can you can date people in this in this game so yep and it's got a fishing mini game because of course (laughs) it's very good (laughs) we didn't really talk about this but it's very good at creating like the opening where you every time you end up every time you die you wind up in the house of hades and it's really good at like making this homey feel where it's a bunch of characters that you get to know and you always enjoy having conversations with them anyway Kirk, uh, final thoughts from you. Oh, it's great. Um, similar to you, Jason, I I got the credits and then just kept playing and got, did another <laughs> clear because I was like, well, I want to see what happens. And yeah, it's clear. There's a whole epilogue. There's the, the state of the world it changes and there are ends. new characters and people keep talking. <laughs> I have all these bounties that I haven't done in story related things. I mean, Orpheus and Eurydice. Like, yeah, yeah come you got to get like, those guys together. Yeah, yeah got to get not? them to perform a, a <laughs> groundbreaking stage musical. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's great. It's a great game. I, I love it. I'm going to keep playing it. The music is awesome and I love it. So yeah, that's Hades. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back for one more thing. (sighs) There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic! It's the the words for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. Readers have a lot of problems. How do you juggle your holds at the library? How do you decide what to read next? What do you do when you find out an author you love is a huge trash baby? I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. And we're the hosts of Reading Glasses. We're here to solve all your reader problems and along the way, help you figure out your reader wheelhouse, which are the things that will absolutely make you pick up a book. Our listener favorites tend to be magic and a woman on a journey. And also birds for some reason. Your reader doghouse. Yeah, that's the things that'll make you avoid a book. Ugh, love triangles stress me out so much. Reading Glasses. Every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. And we're back for one more thing. 
It's time to talk about one more thing each, though. I am going to cheat, and I'm going to go first, and I'm sorry, but I need to talk about the Oculus Quest 2, and that's sort of going to involve talking about more than one more thing, but like, <laughs> hmm. I've been playing with this new VR headset all week, and there's so much stuff that you can do on it that um, I feel like I'm just going to talk about that. So that's my one thing, but there are things I want to tell you about the Oculus Quest 2, which I gotta say, so last week I talked about I had to make a Facebook account for this thing, sort of annoying, didn't mm-hmm. want to make a new Facebook account. It's definitely a thing that people don't like about it. Um, It's fine. The (laughs) Oculus Quest 2 is really friggin' cool in my experience. I am, like, really impressed by this thing. It was so much cooler than I was expecting it to be. And that's really for a reason that isn't to do with, like, what Facebook has made or what Oculus has made for the headset. It's something the headset can do that I didn't realize it could do. So... What this thing is, it costs $300. It's the new uh, standalone VR headset made by Oculus, who is owned by Facebook. It's very aggressively Facebook implemented, so you have to have that account to make it. It has an operating system and a computer inside of it, so you just put it on. You can just play games anywhere. The last VR headset I had was an Oculus uh, CV1, it's called. It's like the consumer model, the first Oculus Rift. Before that, I played on the DK2, which was the dev kit 2 that you could buy if you wanted one um, that was like pre-consumer. And I was like playing Elite Dangerous on that and writing about it for Kotaku. So I've been following this since like 2014 or so. This thing it feels like a total generational leap compared to those headsets. Like the screen looks amazing. There's no there used to be like a screen door effect. There isn't at all now. You can read like tiny text. It's basically just looks like you can just see everything. Like it just looks totally clear. Playing wirelessly is way better than playing with like a big cable hanging off of your head. And the fact that you can set up like the way it used to work, you'd have to set sensors around your room and then you'd like spend forever drawing boundaries like with the controller so that it knew where there were items and where you could stand. Okay. And it was this whole huge pain in the ass process that you had to reset if you knocked a sensor over or whatever. And it <laughs> oh never boy. fully worked. And the sensors would like get occluded from one another because you'd be standing in the way or it wouldn't be able to see you. So your hand would go crazy in a VR game. And like you kind of like I got used to all that stuff. And I played through Half-Life Alex earlier this year. And it's like the most amazing VR game I've ever played. One of my favorite games easily one of my favorite games of the year and I did it in this very not great circumstance of like I'm in my office which is just a home recording studio that's increasingly full of shit and like musical instruments and I'm kind of like trying not to knock guitars off the wall while like shooting at head crabs and there's not that much space so okay here's the thing that the Quest 2 can do that I didn't know it could do you can connect to your gaming PC wirelessly and play full PC VR games wirelessly over your internet, like over your wireless internet in your house. And it works super well, or at least it works for me super well. I have like a pretty fast uh, wireless router. So you have to use a thing that's like sideloading. You use a, a version of virtual desktop, which I'll, we can put a link maybe in show notes. If anybody listening to this like wants to know how to do this, because some people have been asking me when I talk about it, we'll put a link for like a how-to. There's sites that have done it, so I won't waste too much time on that. But basically, there's a third-party workaround that lets you access your gaming PC wirelessly from this headset and you can just I just go out I went in the living room and like moved the ottoman out of the way and had this huge living room space or comparatively huge to my office and then you just put on the headset it lets you see the world through the headset so you like have cameras that just show you everything so you can just be wearing it and walking around you draw the boundaries with like a little laser pointer coming out of the controller just real quick on the floor 
you're done. The Guardian system is up. And then I just played, started playing Half-Life Alex, And it, like, looks amazing. Like, it looks amazing on the screen. I can see all this detail. I'm, like, reading all these little, like, I can read, like, the ingredients on objects that I pick up, like, on cans in the game world. And it's so it's, like, way better looking, way better experience. There's no wire on my head. So I can just walk around this space freely. And it just feels like I'm in the future. Like, it it's this thing that I just was not expecting. It's like I bought a car and it turns out it's a hovercraft. <laughs> like it can fly. Like it really, it's like, I just didn't know this was possible, which apparently it has been for a little while. Anyways, I'm freaking out about it because now like Emily is like playing Beat Saber. We've got all this VR stuff going. People like Google Earth just works in the living room. We can have people over and just show them. Don't have people over though. <laughs> well, I know that's the one thing. You can is have that... very specific select <laughs> people over for a Google Earth It's tour. such a bummer. Yeah. Um, this thing, I feel like this is the closest thing. It's a device that will convince a lot of people of what VR can do. And it it's cheap. I mean, it's 300 bucks. I know that's like totally cheap, but like for what this thing can do, that's ludicrous. Like the other VR headsets are like a thousand dollars. And this thing is just, it's in an affordable-ish price range for like a luxury electronic good. And just, I don't know. It's really, really impressive. I'm like impressed by almost everything about it. And I wasn't expecting to be that impressed. Like I just, cause I just didn't know this wireless thing was going to be possible. So it's really cool. And I have now yelled at both of you about the Oculus Quest 2 for my allotted period of time. Um, I'm just, I think it's It cool. sounds great. I'm really yeah. happy for you. I'm glad it's going well. Um, must be nice. You know? I like to play games on my Switch and my PC with a controller and not in yeah, VR. Yeah, same, same. I like using a mouse and keyboard, yeah, personally. It has or... a switchy quality to it because it can do the, like... <laughs> yeah, but you have to put a headset on your face. Put a thing on your head. Yeah, that... I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Kirk's face, he just looks so crestfallen. You've just spent five minutes, like, raving about uh, this Kirk, thing, and you're talking you know, to two VR, like, skeptics of no interest. I genuinely... I I think it's great that you're enjoying it. Yeah, I am too. jealous of you. I cannot play it, but yeah, I, yeah. zero, zero interest. I don't think I'll ever, ever have it. I think one day they'll get there in terms of the comfort thing, Maddie. I hope they, I think that Perhaps. they will. I hope they do too. I hope they do too. I know there are a lot of different things they're trying to do to make it make people less nauseated when playing. And I think eventually they are very much there. aiming this thing to be a thing that everybody can play. And I think this is actually something that like a lot of people who don't play video games would be interested in like it has it's like a Wii. it feels like the Wii to me mm-hmm. um and certainly the next one after this will feel even more like that so yeah hopefully they fix the comfort thing but i know the two of you aren't as mm-hmm. into it but i'm excited and i know some listeners are too so anyways a lot cooler than i was expecting uh, maddie what's your one more thing oh well you know still trying to beat all those destiny 2 raids with with my raid mm. group and by trying to beat i really just mean we're not trying to beat them anymore and we're really just hanging out in a place where a raid <laughs> is happening because mm-hmm. the the stage that's gotten to is that like every week or every couple weeks we'll kind of be like well all six of us are free for an hour or we're free for maybe two hours, but like barely. And like, we'll all have hard outs or like some person will be slightly late and everyone's very Mm -hmm. forgiving. So it's like, we can't beat the raid we're in, but we've just all become extremely chill about it. And like the first half of it- Is this Leviathan still? You're still in Leviathan? We're playing Eater of Worlds, which I would not say is a very difficult raid. 
for people who aren't us. But it's like, we just have memorized the first half of this raid, like down to a science. You jump on a bunch of platforms, then you shoot some guys. That part's really easy. And then you have to run with some skulls. Do you guys remember the, picking up these skulls? I'm trying to remember. Is Eater of Worlds is a raid layer, right, for mm-hmm. Leviathan? Is yep. this the one where at one point you're launched out of the... S- stomach of the thing or whatever into space yes. and you fall through the, yeah okay and it's cool as hell that part, that is, part really, is great really good yeah, yeah. A- anyway we just we're just hanging out is really what it is and yeah. maybe people should just play destiny 2 raids to hang out maybe they shouldn't even worry <laughs> about being the boss at the end of the raid like maybe you just run around in a cool space with your friends and then somebody has to go and you're just all like okay well Maybe we'll see the end of this someday, but maybe we never will. Are you excited for Beyond Light? Like, how excited are you for the new stuff on a scale from 1 to 10? I'm excited. I do not... You know, Kirk has explained the Destiny lore to me before, and it's like, I feel like for a couple weeks I understood it, and then more time (laughs) went by, and I have played more Destiny, and yet I still don't really understand anything that's happening in the game, and it just kind of washes over me. Well, when you play this story, like, Beyond Light will be a self-contained story that, like, you'll just understand. Of course, but I won't understand, because I've just sort of of in the gravy of Destiny. No, 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 I'm saying it will be understandable. Like, all of the campaigns are just kind of like... When, when I say understand, it'll be like Eris Morn has returned from the under layer okay, of the moon okay. where she fought Oryx. Like, the, you know, <laughs> I just feel that's, like recently the story campaigns have been more like, okay, here's a dude, go kill the dude because he killed your sure. friend or whatever, stuff like that. It's more yeah, yeah. simplistic. I can narrative. always understand the emotional moment of go kill yes. this dude because he killed your friend. Yeah, that's those I'm are about. the stories that I can understand. Eris Morn, the moon, the traveler. It's called something different now. It's not called the Traveler anymore. I guess there's. Like, oh really? I don't well, know. I don't even know. There's that. other well, stuff there's, happening. Yeah, Kirk, I mean, we're gonna have to catch up on. Because <laughs> Beyond Light is very lore. I mean, it's all very like the darkness oh, yeah. and the light. Like it's like profound lore uh-huh. shit. So I think it. Well, it, there's like a vault. There's a whole thing about the Exo and a like the Exo race yeah. being born in a vault. Oh well, know. that we've known. We'll Clovis Bray Corporation made the Exo race. Right, think, but I mean, we're we, gonna we see the vault apparently where they. You're like right, right. Of course, of course. Clovis Bray. We all know that. We all know about we her from the DLC. <laughs> we'll, 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 it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. To yeah, see I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, Jason. To answer your question, I'm excited. Yes, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm very excited about it. I feel like kind of like a child at Christmas who's like too young to understand what a present is, but it, it understands that other people yeah. are opening them. Yeah, and Honestly, like you can wrap up a banana and hand it to me, and I'd just be excited to be included. That's how I feel. Well, about if the banana too. like shot sweet aliens, yes. And, have exactly. you guys seen? There was like a trailer the other day about the new weapons they're adding, and they're doing some wild stuff. There's like some, they are, some bonkers yeah. weapons that they're adding to the game. I haven't, but I'm looking forward to being Man, surprised. I remember, <laughs> it's like, I don't even remember the specifics, but a lot of them are doing things that I did not expect to see in a Destiny weapon, like jumping through physics and stuff like that. Nice that they kind of they they kind of need that more um more kind of more weird stuff. All right, Jason, what is your one more thing? All right, my one more thing uh, is actually a new thing, not just the things that I have talked about in previous weeks. Unlike the two wow. of you, great. Um, oh, I hadn't talked about the Oculus Quest two in previous weeks. I just talked about Facebook. But anyways, all oh, right. But you're always talking about <laughs> VR or something or another. I am, I, am I? Am I? Anyways, <laughs> I've never talked about Destiny two before, so that's I don't true. Even know what that's you meant true. By that. That's true. That news was wholly original. Um, my 
my warmer thing is this past weekend, my friends and I played the Jackbox Party Pack 7, which is a new one. It actually mm. just came out last week. Um, I mentioned before in the show that I have a group of friends and we like to play Jackbox together every so often. It's been like, it's become the equivalent. We used to play it in person also, but now, especially on Zoom calls, it's become the equivalent of like a, a dinner party or a cocktail party with your friends. It's like, okay, yep. let's get together this Saturday night and and play Jackbox because we can't actually see each other in person anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So first of all, I had an interview with the CEO and he shared some interesting stats. Like apparently they are on track to hit 200 million players by the end wow. of this wow. year. And that's oh, that's yeah. that's kind of a misleading statistic because a lot of those are like people playing in the audience while their favorite Twitch streamers are playing together, okay. um, or yeah. like celebrities oh, okay. are playing together. Because you can join. That's on so your cool, phone. though. Actually, yeah, of course, of course, you yeah. can be an audience member. Yeah, 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 so you can join it, and so you can vote. And it's actually really interesting because if you're playing like Quiplash or whatever, where people vote on the outcomes, and you have like three thousand audience members, then your votes as players don't really matter because it's like the thousands of people are going to yeah. be voting. So yeah, it's yeah. Really I never thought about that. Yeah. That's really a cool way to use it, like on a stream. He also mm-hmm. told me that like this game's day one sales were like five times the sales of Jackbox Party Pack Six. That game, it has a fascinating history. That company, like from the you don't know Jack days in the nineties to like a long hiatus to coming back as Jackbox Games from Jellyfish and Jellyfish back in the day. Anyway, so I played the new one. Um, most of the games, nothing really great to share about them. They're all kind of like, whatever. The game that I always come back to, that my friends and I always come back, come back to, is Quiplash. And what's really yes. cool with the new one is that it brings a new version of Quiplash. And so for those of you who don't know Quiplash, Quiplash is essentially um, the game gives you prompts, and you have to respond to those prompts in the, mo- the funniest way you can think of. And you play with all your friends, and you uh, two different answers will pop up on the screen and everybody gets to vote on which is the best, which is the funniest. And for my group of friends in particular, we love this game. We, we go all sorts of like (laughs) insane directions and, and, and do some fun stuff. Um, but previous iterations of Quiplash, the third round, the third and final round has always been kind of like a momentum stopper because it always mm-hmm. they always put, put some twist on it that isn't very fun. Like in the I feel last, like this one. is a common Jackbox problem. It like is. we talked about this, I know on our like on our uh, quarantine games, mm-hmm. but it's it's yeah. always like at the end, like the same thing with standard like you don't know jack or a trivia uh, murder yep, yep, party yep. there's always some yeah some weird third round like in the in quiplash 2 it was like it would be like mm. comic strip and you have to like fill in a comic or like word yeah, lash yeah, yeah. and you have to fill out an acronym or something like that i have great news and that is quiplash 3 Ooh. finally nails the third round it has this awesome third round so the third oh, round in and the third and final round in quiplash 3 is it'll give you um a new prompt um, except you now have to enter three answers to that prompt. And those three answers you can will, will be displayed on the screen like one by one. So you can play around with comedic timing timing. You could have like two straight answers and then one funny one. So like an example, like it might say, What are your three favorite podcasts or something like that? And then it would have you triple answer click, three things. Strong it could be like triple click, strong songs. Kirk Hamilton, like whispering <laughs> in my ear for sweet nothings for that is a well known podcast. Whatever, but That's like you could do it in a, in, a, in a few different ways, and like you as the player have to kind of choose. Like, do I want to have three funny entries and like have them all trying to make people laugh, or like two like the classic comedy structure of like two straight answers and then a, a, a total twist, hilarious answer mm-hmm. for the third. And anyway, it just makes it suddenly feel like a whole new game. And like this version of 
Quiplash is by far the best one yet because of that. Um, so yeah, mm, high, high. I'm gonna play it. Highly totally recommend gonna, if you're I'm into. Totally gonna check it out. And Jackbox is really like good. I said. I mean, it's just such a good game for playing with your buddies who like maybe don't play games, but you hang out with regularly and you miss them because you're you're not leaving your house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good a good option and very easy to screen share on Google Hangouts and such. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's it That's for a me. Good, good reminder to play some Jackbox. All right. Yeah. Nice. Well, that does it for this week. I am going to go play some more Hades, but um, I don't know about to do with you. I'm going to go see what I'm going to do with this uh, this amazing Artemis bill oh, I got man. going. But uh, until until next time, I guess I will see the two of you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. And if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.